What's up, everybody? Why don't you tune in to Paydays with On The Bench? I'm Jake Bardown in the beautiful Oli Postman. And a quick fun fact for you guys, if you think about it, a block of cheese is just a loaf of milk. Welcome back to Worst Seats in the House, Michael Russo, Anthony LaPanta. Uh, it's the all-star break now. Our next live show, February 17th at Tuttle's, 7 p.m. Uh, hope to see everybody out there. Anthony, um, man, this team just keeps on rolling. They get nine-game uh, point streak earlier this season. Then they go into a little bit of a skid. They Then it, it looks like the sky is going to fall after the Winter Classic. They call up Rossi and Boldy, and Matt Boldy has not experienced a regulation loss in the National Hockey League in 10 games. He must think this thing is easy. It's just, that's all you do. Just show up, score, win. Yeah. It's that simple. 10 points in 10 games well, uh, to start his career. Yeah, I mean, what a way to start. And the team, you're exactly right. They just they just keep rolling no matter who's out of the lineup, no matter who gets banged up the other night. Now they lose at the last minute Matt Dumba. They lose Marcus Foligno for a couple of games. Doesn't matter. Just yeah. plug guys in. and And I think that's... It's it's cool to see it play out on the ice because it's what Billy Guerin's attitude has been from the day he arrived, where he's just, no excuses, doesn't matter, just go play. He's out, well, we're all NHL hockey players, just go play. And I think that is, has really bled through to the team where he's said it, he's lived it from day one, and now they're starting to experience it this year on the ice. It's been fun to watch. It's like uh, when they when the NHL recalibrated their schedule and gave them 40 games in the last 77 days, I asked him what he thought of that. He goes, ah, it's no big deal. Everybody's going to do it. You know, that, that really right. is there. And Dean Evison has sort of the same thing. I mean, same attitude every time you talk to him. It's it's no excuses, and I do I agree with you. I think that bleeds right into the locker room, and and uh, they, they every single night. I, Cam Talbot talked about it last. It was really interesting. I know you were in Chicago last night, but listen to guys like Fiala and Cam talk about their confidence level with this team and how much they enjoy playing for this team and enjoy the locker room. John Merrill, I did a podcast with him the other day. Same thing. There is that you know, sometimes you overstate how close knit a locker room is they love each other yeah well and you can see it with the way they play for each other mm -hmm. but i when coaches use terms like that where no excuses next man up you play for each other all that kind of stuff when it's just words then it doesn't work but i believe that what makes it work in this spot is that billy says it and lives it dean evison says it and lives it he, the way he trusts the rest of his coaches, and it's a collaborative effort every single night, the players see that. They see that it's real. And therefore, that's just the way life goes. So it isn't just a guy throwing words at you. And you know we've seen with previous front offices and previous coaches here that nobody trusted a word that came out of their mouth because they would listen to it and say, but that's what you say, but that's not what you, that's not what you do. Mm -hmm. These guys live what they preach. And so that I think is a big part of it. And then you know, having some success certainly helps. I mean, the, the winning some games early, the way they did coming from behind certainly helps 
to build that. If you let's say you don't come back in a few of those games early, you know who knows? Maybe it would have worked anyway. But it for sure starts to go that route and. You know, those guys aren't the only guys. I mean, Ryan Hartman has, from day one, has, he's embraced it and just said, look, I mean, when we get that, it doesn't matter. Just keep playing. It doesn't matter who's on the ice. Just keep playing. doesn't matter who's on your line. doesn't matter if you're playing wing or center. Just keep yeah. playing. And we've seen that from so many guys. And now when you get to this point and you've had this kind of success – now it just kind of breeds itself because yeah. it's who are you going to be the guy that's going to stand up and complain about something right yeah. now? No chance. Yeah. You know, we're also this team lately has shown that they're different. So we're in Long Island the other day. They're without Marcus Foligno. Um, New York tries to start playing, you know, big man's hockey. They're a hardworking, hard hitting team. They've always been that way. And, and the wild don't back down guys like Greenway played big man hockey. All, all the guys did. And then sa same thing last night in Chicago, um, DeBrinket of all players goes out and he, he sort of ragdolls uh, Zuccarello the ice, you know, clean hit. And then same thing. Then he clobbers uh, Durer, Durer in the, in the neutral zone, a bit of a blind side, but, but the league felt it was, um, you know, a, the league felt it was a, a body check that was unavoidable head contact there. But regardless, they go to TV timeout and the entire bench is up and screaming, and this is for Connor Durr, okay? And I just think there's another example where it's just like is all they are all together as a team, and man, did that wake them up because they started slowly yesterday. They were a little sloppy the first five minutes, and Deprinkit, I think, woke that team up, and it was for 55 minutes, I thought, pure dominance by the Wild. Yeah, w without a doubt, and Chicago's got some issues, and, and yeah. their things are going the wrong direction there quickly. It's amazing how different they look, even than the team we saw a week ago yeah. in the back-to-backs. But I thought Jordan Greenway's play and presence in that Islander game was significant because he did it in a very veteran way. Mm -hmm. He stood up. He made it clear, like, look, just because Felino's not in our lineup doesn't mean we're going to be pushed around. But yet, he didn't take any stupid penalties. He didn't even get himself in a spot where he wound up having to drop the gloves. He just answered their play with his own physical play to say, look, we're here to play hockey. I mean, and if you guys want to run around like donkeys, you can come and answer to me. And I thought it was... It's just another game in a long list of much more mature efforts by Greenway that we've really seen almost night in, night out. I mean, he really hasn't had what you'd call what we saw last year, the invisible Greenway-type mm -hmm. games that we saw every once in a while last season and earlier in his career. He hasn't had one of those probably, I mean, go back to, what, mid-November probably? I mean, it's – Yeah. Uh, and, and about that time was when he was put back together on the line with Erickson Eck and Felino. And since those three were placed back together, this team's been nearly unbeatable. Yeah, I, I'm amazed. Like, Patrick Kane's numbers this year, they're a point a game. But – those three games against Minnesota, he looked like a shell of what he used to be. I mean, he one no assist. No compete in, factor. Yeah, one assist in the three games, shanking shots left and right. Um, you know, not a lot of chances. Uh, I, I saw him leaving the rink yesterday. He looked, you know, he looked like it was just like, wow. This, I mean, yeah. It, well, I mean, I really think, and I, I we're not around the Blackhawks on a daily basis, so it's this is just a guess. When the Wild faced him on the Friday, the day before Hockey Day, and whooped them pretty good in Chicago. And they had come in at that time having played pretty good hockey for, right. the, for the previous two weeks. 
And it looked like maybe they were going to start to claw their way back into the, not into the playoffs, but at least into the conversation. I mean, they were still six or seven points out of the playoff spot. But Minnesota whooped them that night. Then they blew the lead and lost on hockey day in St. Paul the next night. I really think if you're the team where they were in the standings, you had to look at this stretch. Hey, we're going to play three out of our next six games against Minnesota, one of the teams we're chasing. And let's use this to be our springboard and head into the all-star break with a little momentum. And instead, they get their teeth kicked in and lose all three games. I really think coming into last night that this is a team that already, they they know that their season is it's done. They're yeah. headed for... They're headed for an offseason with no playoffs, and I think, you know, the when you watch the veteran guys, I mean, you've got guys, proud hockey players, who have been there and have won in their careers. Guys like Kane and Taves, and then you throw Fleury in, who'd won elsewhere, and they, I, I thought this was a playoff team. I was just thinking about this. When we did our season preview, you and I both thought Chicago would be a playoff team this year. Yeah. And... Now, when all of a sudden you're nowhere close, it's hard to be a player that's had that much success in your career and be playing out the string at the halfway point. No doubt about it. Uh, look at Mark Andre Fleury last night. I mean, you know, the second time that he faced a, a mercy pull against the Wild in the last couple of weeks, and he stormed off the ice. And I, I love Mark as a as a person. He's just got to be besides himself um, and wondering what his future is because there's, you know, teams like Washington Capitals that would like to acquire him. I'm sure Pittsburgh would even take him back. Um, lots of rumors that maybe Colorado would, would be going after him. Um, you know, one, is he the same goalie? And two, um, you know, how, how much do you think this is putting a stain on his, his legacy, having to deal with this? I mean, yeah. this has got to be brutal. I don't know how much it stains the legacy. I mean, you're we are talking about a guy who's who's had a tremendous career and a ton of success in his career, and but I also think we, I mean, the guy's won three Stanley Cups, and you know, I get it. He was in, he didn't play every game, and one of them, in fact, he played very little in the playoff run, but was a big part of the team during the season. If I'm somebody like Colorado or like Washington, I would absolutely still take a shot at him. And you got a chance with a guy who's been there before. I think what's amazing about Flurry is that when it comes to just making the first save, I think he's still an elite goalie. The problem is that he, he has the rebound control yeah. is it's abysmal. And Minnesota has taken advantage of him throughout his career. Isn't it crazy to think about how well he played in the playoff series last year? Yeah. Had a 193 goals against, like a 93 and a half save percentage for his career. His save percentage against the Wild in the regular season is like eighty-five and a half. It's it's bizarre how the how black and white those how stark those two differences are with how good he was in the postseason last year compared to how he's ever fared against the Wild. I was just uh, looked up uh, my goalie tiers that I did before the season. Mark Andre Fleury was number three on our goalie tiers, but one of the anonymous executives that I talked to, I mean, talk about a quote that just turned out to be completely accurate. He goes, he's in for a rude awakening in Chicago. They give up a lot of chances. He's going to be asked in Vegas to make eight, ten saves a game, and maybe four of them are going to be really difficult in Chicago. That number is going to go way up. And, and, uh, so they had him ranked as the number three goalie yeah, going in into the season? Yeah, in our goalie period. Oh, you know, I mean, if you remember, he had yeah. a, I mean, he was coming off of Vesna year. And it's yeah. amazing, those goalie tiers that we do every year, how it fluctuates. Um, but, yeah, he was number three. There are a couple of little 
errors in that one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, as there always are. I thought, as I said, I thought Chicago was going to be a playoff team, and I thought Fleury, I thought Fleury would be a part of it. I never would have put him in the top three. Yeah. And really, I thought last year, even him winning the Vesna. I didn't think he was the best goalie in the league last year, but you know he was. His numbers said yeah. that you had to you had to put him in that spot. I really felt like he was the beneficiary of playing behind a team that gave up nothing. Yeah, I I absolutely agree with you there. Um, where to go here? I want to talk to you about the offenses team uh, in a little bit, but let's talk about the Greenway extension and then you know sort of the bike product of that now down the stretch. A lot. Of, I mean, I don't know if you looked at the Twitter questions, but every question is about how the Greenway contracts going to affect Fiala, and we can talk about that. It's impossible to know now, but you know, in Long Island the other day, I started to get wind of uh, the Greenway extension. In fact, in the post game, I went up to you and sort of whispered in your ear that it was coming. Yeah. Um, and next day, I was able to sort of confirm it and. Um, you know, uh, I, I will say the fact that, that the Wild prioritized him first, even, you know, before Goligoski or something like that, it, it surprised me because, you know, again, cap space is super tight. But I think when Bill Guerin looks at him, I mean, there is a lot of respect level. I mean, I see it. Whenever I talk to Bill Guerin, his eyes light up about the type of player that Greenway has. And when you even look at that forecheck that he made yesterday before the Zuccarello goal, that is, it, that, there are not a lot of people like Jordan Greenway in the National Hockey League, a 6'6 guy that could skate like that. And I think everybody always looks at him with scout size. And then you put him on this line that is so good together with Felino and Erickson Eck. I think Bill Guerin looked at it as like, why would we take a line like that and even interrupt it at any Correct. point in the next three? Well, and that, so that, there's a lot there. And the last point you made is the exact point that I made earlier in the season. Remember when right. we were having the, the conversation about what Jordan, what was wrong with Jordan Greenway, yep. can't score. And I said, look, just let him be this guy. Yeah. And if he's this guy, you've got a line that can match up with anybody in the league. Yep. And and he's been that. And if he just keeps playing that way and does nothing else, he's worth every penny of this contract. And so I, I think really, I had one conversation with Billy a while back about prioritizing. And he just said, you know, you don't really prioritize guys necessarily. It's just when all of a sudden you're in constant conversations and when all of a sudden you realize that you're not very far off on the numbers, you try to make it yeah. work. And I think that's probably what happened here where it was, you know what, this is a, at this number, this is a great deal for us for three years for speaking, um, speaking, um, in from Billy's perspective that now we get this guy, we already have, now that line's locked up. Let's just go. Let those guys be who they are and don't worry about anything else. Leave them alone. The other pieces can fill in around it. And, you know, we've talked the last couple of shows about some of the other guys. And I just, I don't spend a ton of time speculating on that because so much can change. And you have no idea. I mean, we have no idea. When the season ends, he might have a deal already in place at the end of the season to deal any one of these guys about whom we're talking. And, you know, I mean, I still think you look at what Kevin Fiala's done right now. Not coincidentally, most of it's done since he was put on a line with Matt Boldy. Twelve games in a row, the guy scored and a point, not a goal, but nine goals over yeah. that stretch. I mean, this is why this guy is such an ex exciting and electric offensive player. I think when you look at what he's done, you really can only look at that stretch because earlier in the season he was playing with guys who couldn't keep up with him, who couldn't make plays with him, who couldn't. It, he, everything he did was on his own. Now he's got the guy on his wing. You know, I mean, Freddie Gaudreau's even been better these last couple of games. But, I mean, and he 
protects those guys. But what if you had a guy that wasn't just protecting, yeah. but was actually also contributing to the line, and and you might all of a sudden have something. I, I just think let's look at Greenway independently of the rest. It's a great deal for the team. It's a team friendly AAV of three million, and for Greenway, it's I'm sure he's relieved. I mean, he knew his numbers weren't great before that, and yeah. I'm sure there was some pressure on him. Now he can just yeah. now he doesn't have to worry about it. Just go be the guy you, yeah. that you've been. And I know, I know, Billy would love him to be more productive, and it really just comes down to well, shooting. Everybody the puck would more. love yeah. to have guys score more, yeah. but this line makes a difference if right. they just play that way. Yeah, and and I I agree with you. The one thing that you said that you know reminded me is like I remember when Rob Niedermeyer in in Florida, he, he scored 26 goals in 1995-96 uh, that year. Next year, first game of the season, Eric Lindros can and he became a checker that night. And, you know, like he just never could score again. And there was so much pressure on him in Florida because he had that 26-goal season that everybody always just thought he's going to score, he's going to score, he's score. When you finally realized, you know what, he's one of the best checking centers in the National Hockey League, then you realize, you know what, who cares that he can't score? He goes to Anaheim, he winds up playing with Sammy Paulson and Travis Moen on a Stanley Cup winner, and he was one of the best checking centers in the league. Nobody cared that he didn't score goals. And I think that's the same thing with Greenway, is that if we all just stop saying, all right, including, and especially me, that he's a 6'6 guy, he's not putting up a lot of numbers, and just accept him for what he is, and that's one of the, uh, uh, a left wing on the best check, I don't even want to call him a checking line because that's an injustice, but on yeah, the, they're uh, a, a shutdown yeah. line, but a but shutdown line that can score. score. Exactly. That. And so, and they shut down by playing <coughs> in the offensive zone. So think about if you're looking at the, down the stretch this year and the next couple of seasons, if you're the Minnesota Wild and you're going to go anywhere, you're going to have to be able to get through St. Louis, Colorado, Vegas. At some way, in some order, some way, shape, or form, you're, those three teams probably in that order this right. year. St. And, Louis first, it looks like. Right. And, and then for the next couple of seasons, I mean, Colorado and Vegas aren't going anywhere. So if you're going to beat those teams – what do you have to have? You have to have a line right. like that. Yeah. And there's so many so many times the focus is always on how are we going to make it fit under the cap to get the scorers on our roster. And you look at some of the other teams in the league, every single one of those teams would be the reason they'd be afraid of running into the wild in the playoffs is because how are our scorers going to score against those three guys? And that's why Minnesota has a chance. Yeah. That's why when they face the Avs, Put McKinnon, Landeskog, and Rantanen against those guys in every game, every shift that's in St. Paul. Yeah. Put the Pacioretty Stone line against those guys every shift, every night when they're in St. Paul, and and a pretty good chunk of them when you're on the road. That's why Minnesota has a chance. Jordy Ben, um, we got him after the game a couple, like uh, I think it was the game that Greenway set up Felino. Uh, he set up Fiala on the extra attacker goal, and then uh, so it was the Chicago game, and then Greenway set up Felino. Uh, for the overtime winner and and Ben in his post game, the way he said it, um, I'll send uh, Brandon the audio and we could throw it in here. But the way he said it was just so perfect when he was like, you know, that line, it's something. And you should have seen his face. And his point was, is that you just don't have lines like this. Three giant guys that could skate like them. 
And again, you know, I think my are committed to playing the game yeah, that way. Yeah. They, they're never getting yep. away from yep. the way they play it. And what I've liked about Greenway the last couple games is he's doing this without Felino on his line. And if you remember at the beginning of the season, the reason why, and look, I mean, I think the analytics and all that, it wasn't just that he hadn't scored in the beginning of the season. I think the analytics backed me up too. And remember, Dean Evison had some heart to hearts with Greenway at the beginning of the season. He was, when we had that disagreement on the podcast, and then he basically broke out right after he started really playing well. You know, I think it was more so that I was just disappointed that he didn't look like the Greenway that we had seen before, but he also wasn't playing with those two. Right. And I think there's such a fit there. And what I've been really impressed with with Greenway the last couple of games is that Erickson X been out of the lineup for a lot of this time. Felino's now been out of the lineup for the last couple, and yet Greenway continues to play great hockey, even though he doesn't have his security blankets on the line. I think that says something about his I think it does for sure. his game. Because for the season, yeah. the analytics say that the drivers of that line have been the other two yeah. guys. And part of that is that Greenway's numbers were not great early in the season. But even when they've been together, it's, it's still better with the other two guys right. than it they the other two guys analytically have made more of an impact than greenway but i think greenway lately has just looked like a different player and yeah and i mean we I mean, all we, that we, shift we, for the zuccarello goal yesterday was just amazing well let's remember yeah. what i love about it i mean let's remember why they're missing one of their wingers right now it's because he broke up what was a two-on-o by diving head first and sliding into the end boards because yeah. they are so committed to playing the game the right way right. that I just, I, I love the trio. I love the line and everything that the scorers have been doing is tremendous, but you don't win if you don't have that line. And Billy, I think has done a tremendous job of building this roster, knowing that, yep, the big bucks, we're going to spend them on Kaprizov. We're going to have to figure out a way to sign Kevin Fiala to keep him here. But you look at all the other guys they all have at least a twinge of role player in them. Erickson Eck, who he signed to the big deal. Brodine, who he immediately tabbed as, we can mix and match the guys around him. That's the guy we got to get locked up here because we can't win without him. Hartman. You know, the, all of these deals, they're all the guys that just fill all the little things that you have to have to build a championship club. No doubt about it. Um, I know that you said it's no sense uh, forecasting the future, but we're going to do that after we come back from this break. But first, here's a word from Bosch Law Firm. Hey, hockey fans. Jerry Bosch here again from Bosch Law Firm and WorkCompExperts.com. If you're injured at work, it's never too soon to contact the lawyers and awesome staff at Bosch Law Firm. We'll answer all your questions, help you set up your work comp claim, and help you select professionals who will be there to help you, not the insurance company. And with almost 30 years of litigation experience, if your benefits are denied, we'll fight to get you paid. Bosch Law Firm. The call's always free and there's never a fee unless we obtain benefits on your behalf. Call or text us at 651-333-8300 or visit us at workcompexperts.com. Uh, Anthony, uh, so the other day, I I've been having a, a real horrible, painful hip and back issue. So the other day I went to Tria's Urgent Care and man... Uh, I was very impressed with the service there. Tell us a little about Tria. Well, Tria is the place to go if you're whether you're a an athlete that's trying to get yourself back on the field or just somebody an older guy like you or I that are trying to stay active. They've got the guys for it. They they've got the specialists in every area. I've had I've seen too many of them. In fact, I also just had to have an X-ray done because I fell down some steps on Hockey Day Minnesota in Mankato and landed on my ribs. So. 
had to had to go in and have that have some imaging done with that. But they whether it's I personally have dealt with Dr. Boyd and Dr. Amundsen and Dr. Nelson. I mean, there's just there's so many tremendous guys there that tree orthopedics is the place to go if you're trying to get yourself back out of the field. Um, and the holidays have come and gone, and despite your best intentions, so has your motivation to lose weight. I know I've been there, but don't despair because my friends at Profile have a solution for you. You see, Profile makes losing weight easy, designed by doctors to take the guesswork out of weight loss. Profile has helped thousands of people like myself, and they can help you too. It's a great time to get started. Join Profile in February and save up to 30% off your membership. Visit ProfilePlan.com slash Twin Cities and launch your transformation today. Tell them that Russo sent you. That's Profile plan.com slash twin cities. So Anthony, um, I know I am completely with you that nobody knows what, 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 uh, by the way, Vinny just walked in and actually said hello. Very different than his older brother. Usually <laughs> he might have brother. just walked right through and not even noticed we yeah, were I here. Know. Exactly. Um, so, uh, you know, I know, and you're absolutely right. Like it may, like this is, I mean, let's be honest, every podcast for the last two years, we've tried to figure this out and we don't know. And I even think that Bill Guerin probably doesn't deep down know right now. But let's just look at this real quickly. I got cap friendly up. The Wild have $12 million of cap space. <laughs> this is crazy. Going into next year, they have restricted Kevin Fiala, Capo Kakinen, who's become a pretty integral player on this team. Uh, Connor Dury, your RFAs. Your UFAs are Nico Sturm, Alex Goligoski, Jordy Ben, Victor Rask. And I do feel like I'm forgetting somebody, Nick Bukestead. Um, so not a lot of cap space to get all that done. Certainly not a lot to get, you know, like even your, you, and remember, this is, you've, you've got to also fill out the rest of your roster. It's not like, even if you brought, uh, you know, a couple of them back, you still need to save cap space to bring up, to have guys like Marco Rossi or whoever on this team next year. So there's not a lot here. So something is going to have to give this offseason. It's just going to be really interesting because, like, I, I am starting to believe that they've got to figure out a way to get Fiala to stay here. Like, well, like I mean, and, and but that's I, what we, as yeah. we've talked about this, every single time we brought it up, I've said I think they'll figure out a way yeah. to keep Kevin Fiala here. But how here. do you do it? I don't know how you do it other than, because we don't know what the piece, there, there has to be a piece that isn't here. And... Or you get a bunch of guys, which I don't think is out of the question. You, some of those guys you mentioned, I mean, if you're Connor Dewar or you're Nico Sturm, wouldn't you take a look around and say, well, where else would I rather go than right, right here? Yeah. There's not a coach in the league that trusts and empowers his third and fourth line guys more than this guy does. There's not a locker room in the league that seems to be tighter and more determined to win than this one. There isn't a leadership group that seems to embrace the young guys and treat them the same way as anybody else inside the room more than this one. So, I mean, who knows? What if you, what if you're able to get a couple of those guys to sign for, you know, bargain basement prices, and you know, maybe with a maybe with Fiala, you're able to trade him term for AAV. You know, I mean, that that's always a possibility too. Or you can say, look, yeah. well. We'll get you the cash. We just have to spread it out yeah. over more time because we can't. And if you're Kevin Fiala, you got to look at it and say, all right, well, you're not lying to me. I mean, we can all see the numbers. It's not just negotiating ploys. Yeah, I got it. So now do you want to be a part of it or not? And if you do, then you say, all right, well, then I'll take an extra couple of years on the term yeah. at a lower rate and, and you still get the cash. 
you just get it in a longer spread over more years. Yeah, I just think that, um, you know, I look, there's no doubt that he wants to be part of it. I just, even if he was willing to take a bargain basement, I just don't know how they get it done. And I hate to say it because I know we've had him, I've had him traded 17 times in his 10-year career. But the only way I see it getting done is if they trade Dumba. I mean, they've, they have to create a significant amount of cap space. And one big reason is Matt Boldy. Like Matt Boldy, if he has a monster second half here and then he has a huge year next year, you're going to have to sign him to a massive bridge deal or sign him to one of those lucrative long-term deals, um, you know, in, in right, coming out right of his entry-level deal. And, um, and because of that, you can't overpay Fiala because you got to afford him. And remember, Rossi is going to eventually be up. So, and the cap just isn't rising the way that we all had hoped because of this pandemic. Um, right, but you, you know, there's some other variables in there too. So now, let's say you're talking two years down the road. Well, now the Zuccarello contract is up at yeah. that point. And you know, maybe that frees up enough flexibility yeah. there too. I mean, there's there's just a lot of variables in play. And I think in most cases, you have to be able to look at it as the replaceable nature of some of the parts. Yeah, Is Kevin Fiala replaceable? Absolutely not at this point. It, not with somebody coming up in the organization. Is Matt Dumba? I mean, not yet, but you might be closer with Kalen Addison. That's that. See, than, that's how I feel. Then you, know? you might be closer. Yeah. I'm not saying Addison is Dumba. He's not, but he sure looks like he's ready to play in the NHL. So, and you've already got Merrill locked up. You've, you know, so now all of a sudden you're like, well, you, you get Goligoski on probably a cheaper deal because. I'm sure he loves it here and would love to be a part of a team that looks like it's got a chance to win. I think Kakinen is the big wild card. Yeah. And, you know, he's probably changed the opinion of him here in these last couple of weeks when Talbot was hurt with how well, well he played. Well, I do played. think that's, that, would, that could, theoretically, if Kakinen has a big second half and even winds up being their number one going in the playoffs, I'm not convinced that would happen. That's not going to happen. But if, if that is something, would they ever consider trading Cam in the offseason, coming back with like a Kakinen and maybe going out and signing a cheaper backup? That's a way to save a little money. It wouldn't be a lot because then you have to pay the backup. So, you, you know, you're trading away in Talbot, um, you know, 3.67, but a backup's going to cost you one and a half. So, I mean, you're at least saving a couple million to help you re-sign some guys. I mean, there's just got to be w- ways to get this done because there's just... Well, and Kakinen, as well as he's played, it's not like he's played... He isn't, he's not going to be demanding a $5 no. million a year contract. No, no. I mean, we're t- still talking about a guy that I believe you'll be able to get on an affordable deal. And if you're Kakinen, you have to be looking at it saying, Talbot's got one year left. Odds are pretty decent that at that point I'm going to have a shot to take over as the number one guy here. I'm really happy for Cacton, by the way. I, I sat down with him for a podcast a couple of weeks ago. What? A, first of all, a great kid, super smart, fascinating guy off the ice. Um, but this is a guy that completely crumbled down the stretch last year. Had a horrific, horrific preseason. Had a terrible season debut. And there was not a lot. I don't care what Dean says. That, oh, you know, he only didn't play because Cam was great. No, they did not have a lot of confidence putting that guy in net. Yeah. And then well, he, and Dean and, has said it for all along, too. Like, look, we're going to play the guys who, yeah. who are playing well and going to give us a chance. Yeah. I don't care if it's a center or a defenseman or a goalie. Yep. And, I mean, they, they were content to play Cam every night. They yeah. played him in back-to-backs a couple times, and it was, look, until Kakinen proved that, yep. that he was ready, they weren't going to force him in there just for the sake yeah. of playing him. 
And now you look at it, and Capo Kakinen, since that horrible season debut, is 10-1-2 and in his last 15, 13 of those starts. Uh, pretty impressive. Let's talk about the offense. Uh, this is ridiculous already. I mean, this is now, what, 12 straight games with three or more goals. They're third in the league in goals four behind Colorado and Florida. Um, right, just as predictable. How about, how about their, you know, we all talk about how crappy their power play is. They have the best power play on the road in, since November 20th in the National Hockey well, League. Well, and their their power play is sitting at, I think it was 19% right now yeah. at, at the halfway point in the Which, season. Which, by the way, back when I first started covering the league, would put you in top five. Well, it's would I think it's the fifth best in wild single season history yeah. if they were to finish the year this way. Yeah. I think they've only had four seasons where they were over 20% ever. Yeah. So... But you're right. I mean, normally you'd look at teams and say, well, boy, if you're scoring like this, you must be taking care of business on the power play. So I looked at the at the Wilds. Number one, their best goals per game was last year. They averaged 3.21. They're 3.83 this year. So it's two-thirds of a goal per game more. They're on a pace to score 50 goals more than they've ever scored in a season. I mean, that's that's unbelievable. The, and they've done it with their like so I looked at their goal differentials. Their best two goal differential seasons were fifty seven and forty one, and right now they're at forty at the halfway point. So they're on pace to be plus eighty. They're minus two on power play goals, and yet are on pace to be plus eighty in overall goal differential. I mean, it's absurd some of the things they've been able to achieve, and you have to believe. Part of it, again, goes back to the addition of Matt Boldy, which gives them a second power play group that that has really been a big reason why the power play is, has accelerated. But it's I don't think there's any reason why this power play won't end up over 20%. Yeah. You know, and maybe it's 24 or 25 for the rest of the season and ends at 22 or something. I mean, if you get a power play going with this group, You've got something special yeah. with the way they can score. And and I just love the fact that they're scoring without cheating. I mean, this isn't a team that's taken a ton of chances and therefore they're scoring. I mean, they generate their chances largely the way they're built to play. Yeah. And they they and they like the Zuccarello to Kaprizov goal is a perfect example yesterday. I mean, that was all I mean, the way they tracked back. Steal the puck. And right. Come. I mean, Chicago don't even know what happened. Well, and I you mean, know? how many times a night do Zuccarello and Kaprizov make a connection that make you shake your head and say, yeah. "How did they?" They have such a knack for number one finding the open yeah. space, but then finding each other. Yeah. And we're starting to see a little bit of that with Fiala and Boldy. They, no doubt, they're they're taking probably a few too many chances, but I think they're just starting to like. They're watching what's happening with the other two guys and starting to, hey, we could, why can't we do the same thing? And there's some plays that have been made each night where you're like, all right, you can start to see now. He he had a sense Boldy was going to be there yeah. and found him without having to take a bunch of yeah. time to look for him. I uh, I wanted to, uh, one point on Boldy and, uh, and, uh, and Zook and, um, Fiala in a second, but I, I was talking to Ryan Hartman about that commercial that the Wild filmed with the uh, with Kaprizov and Zuccarello passing the coffee cup between each other. Did you see that? No. Uh, it's hilarious. Okay, and it was the day that Kaprizov and, and Zuccarello were on the ice for absolutely ever, and Ryan had to leave, so they filmed Ryan Ryan's part on his own, and then those two separately, and somehow they meshed it to make the commercial look incredible. So it's. It's basically the inside. It's it's a basically a self-deprecating joke with Zuccarello and Kaprizov 
that they only always pass to each other and Ryan Hartman is like non-existent on the line. So they go into the tr- the uh, the wild dining room at Tria. They go to the coffee cupboard. They pull out two co- uh, one coffee mug and Zuccarello, they're about to get a cup of coffee. Zuccarello passes the coffee cup to Kaprizov. Kaprizov passes it back to Zuccarello. Zuccarello back to Kaprizov. And they're both saying, no, here, here, here. Like they're only passing each other. And all of a sudden Hartman comes in, grabs it, fills the coffee cup, takes it and leaves. And then they go and grab another coffee cup and do it again. And so it was, it's just a hilarious like little tw- little Twitter commercial. And I talked to Hartman about it yesterday. I'm going to be writing about this in my Capri South feature for the Oscar game coming up. So I just thought that was pretty cool. But back to my um, Fiala and Boldy point. You know the other example of Fiala's maturity? And Dean brings this up all the time about how welcoming the locker room is and how easy it is for guys like Durr and Boldy come up. I mean, just think of this naturally. Imagine you're a 20-year-old. You walk into a National Hockey League locker room, and you're immediately put on the number one power play, and Kevin Fiala, who is the second star on the team besides Kaprizov, is taken off that power play and put on the second unit. That's got to be a very intimidating thing for that young 20-year-old. And yet he goes out there and performs. Fiala doesn't hold it against him. And I just think that there's a great example of, the, of what Dean's always talking about. I mean, you know, th- that is not an easy thing. You always see these young kids come up and they defer to veterans and things like that. And I just think when that happens, it makes for a real camaraderie on the team. Well, that is. But that's, that's what makes the, the six on five stuff so special yeah. too, is that they've got two groups. They trust them both. Yeah. And so if you're on that second power play group, yes, they're, I mean, unless they were just on the ice, Kaprizov and Zuccarello are going to start the power play, but you're going to get 45 yeah. seconds of the power play. Yeah. And they do, and he has, and and they've rewarded him. And the same thing at the end of games. So if you're Kevin Fiala, all right, well, we tried throwing you together with those guys, and it just didn't quite work. How about you just go thrive with the guys, on with Brian Hartman and Marcus Foligno on the set. You're talking about a couple of guys were yeah. on pace to score 30 goals as well. So yeah. why not just go thrive with those guys? No doubt about it. It's uh, I don't know. It's just a real impressive hockey team right now. Uh, very deep hockey team too. Uh, contrary to some things that you might hear from yeah. national. Well, and so uh, I mean, not only depth with role, with the guys that play the role. We talked about that earlier, but depth of guys that can score. I mean, they're on pace right now to have. At the ha- it's exactly halfway through the season. So if you you know, you double some guys. I know some guys have missed games, but if you just double what they have at this point, you got three guys who are on pace to score in the 30s. Zuccarello has 14, so he'd be on pace to score 28. I mean, we're talking about a franchise that hasn't had four 20-goal scorers in a season since, like, 2017, and I think they've only done it three times in the history of the franchise. We're on, nearly on pace to have four guys get 30. And, you know, they've never had three guys get 30 in a season. You know, you've just you've got a lot of different guys who are capable of scoring, and and I think that's a big reason why you haven't seen, you know, an extended slump. I mean, they they had the one oh four and one run, and a big part of that were guys that were out of the lineup. They haven't had the long ten twelve game skid because it they've got they can score so many different ways from so many different spots yeah uh can Talbot first time all-star too um I, I don't know if you saw the story that we just threw up on the athletic uh, so you know uh, Wyatt Russell Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn's son was his goalie partner at University of Alabama Huntsville so he did a bit so um Wyatt Russell gets invited to the all-star game and uh, as to be in the skills competition. So they're reunited. So we did a big feature on uh, Cam and, and Wyatt today. So hopefully everybody reads um, that story and 
Cam was hilarious when I was talking to him about it yesterday. He basically told Wyatt. He goes, he goes, <laughs> he goes. Uh, he basically said, "Now you, uh, I'll let you read it because there's a bunch of." I'd have to make Brandon work. There were a bunch of curse words that he said, but it's a hilarious quote from Cam Talbot that's in the story. A couple of really sweet things. Uh, one quote I will read you from the story. This kind of made me smile. Um, that he said, uh, Cam, about going to the Australian, he goes, the kids have known for a while ever since we told them. The next day we had a babysitter that night and then came home from dinner and my daughter's little purple suitcase was already packed full of her, with her dresses and stuff like that sitting in the kitchen. They weren't supposed to tell anybody yet, but they already told their teacher and their babysitter that we were going. So they let the cat out of the bag a little bit before it was even announced. They've been excited about this for three weeks now. We had to pull all our dresses back into her closet and she got pa- she got to pack them again yesterday. So she's excited. So just, I mean, you know, this is what the All-Star Game is all about. Just a sweet, sweet thing. So it'll be a fun weekend watching uh, watching Cam in the All-Star Game and watching Kaprizov and see what tricks he has up his sleeve for the uh Yeah, for but the, to see guys get challenge. rewarded, guys like Talbot, I think that's what makes it special is you got a guy who's had to fight for everything in his career and to now be recognized and rewarded for the kind of start he's had, that is special. And, yeah. man, he was really good, I thought, in the Chicago game. That Seth and, Jones save. Yeah, I just I thought he he looked like Cam Talbot again and and it's I think it's been it was so huge because of the fact that the way he came back from injury had the game where he played two periods and had to come out and instantly everybody's worried about it and the fact that he's come back and played the way he played in New York and then played the way he played against the Blackhawks he looks like he's back now and good to go. Um, another part of that uh, Kaprizov story that I'm writing tomorrow will be his parents uh, you know uh, Natasha Natalia is so the way I understand it so we've always called his mom Natalia he spells it Natasha and I'm, the way it was explained to me by somebody that's close to Kaprizov is it's just like Mike and Michael so he wants it written as Natasha so when you see me refer to his mom as Natasha in the article yesterday and you'd be like like, wait a minute, he's called him Natalia for two years, three years, four years. That, that's the reason why. But that'll be a big part. The players, um, I got a really a bunch of cool anecdotes about the players meeting his parents in New York as well. So that's pretty cool. He's going to experience that with the parents. Um, when we come back from this break, I want to talk, uh, take some Twitter questions. I want to talk to you about the uh, Rocky Wirtz stuff yesterday. That was an absolute disaster. And I want to talk to you about the Justin Morneau story uh, that we wrote in The Athletic. But here's a word from Minnesota Propane Association. The Shearer family enjoys spending a lot of time outside. Hence, we care what goes into our environment. That's why we support propane, the energy for everyone. Did you know that propane produces fewer greenhouse gas emissions than electricity generated on the U.S. grid? Propane's emissions are 43% fewer. That's a lot. Propane is clean, dependable, and affordable. Plus, it's produced right here in the USA. Let's all do our part to reduce emissions from our homes, cabins, and businesses by choosing propane, the right energy right now. To learn more about propane, the energy for everyone, go to propane.com. Well, the holidays are over with, so what season is it? It's get your home project started season. Aquarius Home Services provides top quality products, including furnace installation and repair. Has your furnace been struggling to provide you comfort and you think it is time to replace it? Aquarius Home Services is offering a new furnace for as low as 45 bucks a month. That's right, $45 a month. Contact Aquarius Home Services and requ- request a free estimate. With your comfort and safety as a top priority, one of their trusted heating and cooling experts will visit your home, discuss your needs, and provide options that make sense for you and your home. They're just a click away to AquariusHomeServices.com. And don't forget to mention that Russo sent you. Tell us about Kowalski's, Anthony. Well, we've had some great meals around here lately, and... 
I mean, we always are excited about them when we have a chance to entertain. And I've had a few that we've visited. I, there's no pl better place to go than Kowalski's to pick up your ingredients for it. Whatever you need, they've got it. And we made a miso sauce on a, on some shrimp the other night that just a couple things we haven't made a tremendous time, number of times. And you head down there, you know, you're going to be able to find it, found the miso paste there in the, in the cooler at Kowalski's and had some fun with it. But the best was we had a, we had some guests over for dinner a couple of weeks ago and went back to the butcher counter. And I said, look, we're, we're having some people over. We, we need some steaks, but I, it's the end of a multi-course dinner. So I don't need like the big, huge ribeyes. Uh, we'll just go fillets. And the guy was like, look, give me 15 minutes I'll go back, get a different fillet out of the back. I'll cut them up for you so they're all the exact same size and we'll be good to go. And man, did we, it didn't disappoint. I just, every time you go there, they, they're so helpful. They're knowledgeable about their stuff. And you, you just, you never leave disappointed with the quality, taste, anything else. So if you're going to entertain and if you're going to have a great meal, you got to have the best ingredients. Go to Kowalski's. And somebody else very knowledgeable is Chris Lindahl. Everything is about to change. If you've been watching the news, you know that interest rates are likely to rise several times in 2022. That means the time to sell your home is right now. Buyers want to buy before rates go up, so they're highly, highly motivated. And if you're holding out because you can't find a place to move to next, well, Chris Lindahl Real Estate has the perfect solution to help you. It's their guaranteed offer program. Guaranteed offer means you can sell now while your equity is high. Then pick your closing date so you have more time to buy while interest rates are at historic lows. Bottom line, when interest rates rise, selling opportunities fade. Now is the perfect time to sell your current home and find your next one. But the window is closing fast. By this time next year, don't regret sitting on the sidelines while other perfectly timed, while others perfectly timed the real estate market. Act now and take advantage of this unique and once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Join thousands of other homeowners who have already received a guaranteed offer by visiting chrislindahl.com today. That's chrislindahl.com. Some terms and conditions apply. Have you ever thought of talking to Michael Kenny for our defineddestinations.com trip to Hungary, Austria, Budapest, Prague, Vienna. Yep, there we go. About maybe one of the nights, instead of us having sort of a quote team dinner, you doing a whole team meal. No, but out. I would. I'd for sure be up for That'd that. Kind of cool. It we, would be fun. I don't know if we could bring our all the Kowalski's ingredients, but it'd be, no, uh, and I might. I probably wouldn't be able to travel with my kitchen no. utensils and stuff. But yeah, we could. We could certainly make that work. We had a we had a great dinner here last week with our friends from Baltimore who came over to, to eat with us and. We even their restaurant tours, and we were able to impress them. So I think I'd yeah. love to try it with the with the group like that, and see if we couldn't find a place, find a way to do some kind of a of a prepared meal that we prepared ourselves. We'd have some fun with it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, wanted to talk to you. So I finally our Wednesday night game story came out the other day, and uh, Dan Hayes, our Twins writer, who you know really well, and I know you respect him a lot. Um, he and I uh, teamed up in this story um, to be completely, completely, completely upfront about this. This was Dan Hayes' story idea. So Dan and Justin Morneau are tight. Uh, it was uh, when he was working on Hall of Fame stuff, and he found out about this game, and Justin invited us out there out there and this was months in the making um, and we were sort of the guinea pigs Dan and myself for this new thing that we're doing at The Athletic where we're going to have a bunch of multimedia components to different stories and so we hired a documentary filmmaker and he came out with us to Justin's house 
And um, it's this Wednesday night game that they have every Wednesday where different retired baseball players and retired hockey players come out. So the M&M boys were there that night with guys like Walsey and and uh, Mark Parrish, Keith, uh, Keith Ballard, Jordan Leopold, Dustin Bufflin, Paul Martin, Nate Prosser, Blake Sloan. Others as well. Gino Parrish was out there. Dustin Morse was out there. Mike Herman. Um, and it's in his backyard. And it's about these retired hockey players that, one, want to get a good workout in, want to get their competitive juices going. But it's how much they missed that locker room setting. And Walls was uh, – I was texting with Wes yesterday, and he was saying that's what he misses the most. He used to love being in that locker room and just chirping guys and being chirped at. And unless you're in that locker room setting, you don't really realize how much that you miss that when your career is over. And so really appreciate Justin inviting us out. He treated us unbelievably. And we just were a fly on the wall that night and worked on this really cool story with a great documentary. And it really turned out to be a nice piece. Well, Justin's a tremendous guy, number one. And I had talked to him a couple of times this past summer and we all, he always wants to talk hockey. So well, hockey and golf now that he's gotten into golf. So a lot of those two conversations, but he repeated an old baseball cliche to me in one of those conversations where he said, you know, the old saying in baseball is if you're fast out of the locker room, you're fast out of the game. Yeah. And meaning that the guys that stick around are the guys that hang in the clubhouse after games and, and are there and early and just enjoying that life and camaraderie. And he was that when he was a player, just like Wes is talking about from the hockey standpoint and baseball is a little different than hockey because in hockey, almost every day is a travel day. When you're on the road, it is for sure. I mean, you're never, you're very rarely staying in the city after the game. You're onto the plane to the next place. But in baseball, you're usually in a city for three days. And when you're at home, you know, those guys will just, some of those guys will just lounge around after the game and have a beer or two. And, and the teams that have had the tightest team chemistry are the teams that don't leave the locker room right away. So it doesn't surprise me that that's what those guys talk about is, is that they love so much about it is just that. And yeah. it, it is special and it's cool. And it's, I always give him grief because he says, you know, I mean, there just aren't a lot. In fact, I think he was quoted in your story with the same line. Like, you know, there just aren't a lot of places where you just have the pickup game where you yeah. get together with your buddies. And I said, yeah, on a refrigerated ice sheet with a Zamboni and <laughs> yeah. lights that you, yeah, I mean, glycol, yeah, I mean, it's not, this isn't like the old days of, you know, trudging down to the park and hoping that yeah. there's enough spots yeah. on the pickup game going on that you can jump in. Yeah, no, um, but what a great guy. I mean, he is he is a true guy. And Maurer, man, he is just an awesome dude as well. Um, you know, it was it was just, I don't know, it was a really cool story. And and what you said too about the, you know, first out of the clubhouse, first out of the game reminds me of this old Dennis Bushy line. I don't know if you know Dennis Bushy is a legend in Moorhead, Minnesota, runs the rink there and all the guys that have come out of Moorhead. And I was out there whenever Matt Cullen first signed with the Wild. Years and years and years ago, 10 years ago, 12 years ago, whatever it is, I went out to Moorhead and I did a big family story on him and where he came from. He showed me his childhood bedroom and all the stuff like where he's like, this window is where Bridget used to sneak in, you know, that type of stuff. So we go out to Moorhead. He shows me the rink and I meet Dennis Bushy and Dennis tells me, was telling me about Matt growing up and he goes, you know, the problem with youth kids today is that their parents don't give them enough time to hang out in the locker room. And he said, he goes, he always says to these parents that just are impatient and want to leave there after a game and get their kids out of the locker room, let them in there because there's nothing like locker room talk. And I think that is, that's something that like those of us that have never played professional sports or competitive sports on an everyday basis, well, like don't really uh, yeah, realize. And I mean, and, 
I coach at a low level, you know, assistant coach on a high school football team. But I always love the guys that hang out in the locker yeah. room after practice and after games. And we lived it with uh, at the youth level with Vinny, I think, was determined to be the last guy out of the locker room every single hockey practice or game he ever went mm -hmm. to in his life. And I remember a couple times, Margo was the one who ended up having to drive Vinny a lot because AJ was playing basketball. I was coaching AJ's team and then I was at a pretty busy work schedule. So she would usually be the one that would end up hauling Vinny. And I remember one night talking to her and she was like, and he is the last kid out of the locker room every single night. I said, just let him be. That's, that is what builds that's what builds team characters is that you got to let them just sit in there. And now Vinny might've taken it to a new level. Cause I don't think half the time he even started to get undressed until everybody else was out of the locker room. Uh -huh. And then you'd go in there and you'd see his stuff spread all over the room and he was a goaltender. So he had extra How gear. How old would he have been? Every age from like age seven to age. He was probably just 16. back then drinking beer and stuff. Well, no. not when he was a. I'm talking no, about. No, that's what yeah, I'm saying. Right? No, it was. <laughs> but I mean, like you, we would go in there because sometimes you'd stand out there and be okay. Every parent is now gone from the rink, yeah. and we're standing. And then you'd walk in, and Vinny'd still be. You'd walk. He'd still be sitting there half dressed, and Vinny, everybody else is gone. What are yeah. you doing? And he's like, "Well, we were just talking. We were playing knee hockey, or what? I mean, it yeah. like. But that there's something to that, and. I, I couldn't agree more with the statement about it. I mean, it, you know, we always tried with the youth teams we coached, like, just have some fun. Yeah. And when I coached Legion Baseball, yeah. it was just hang out in the dugout. After games, we had a couple songs we played yeah. after every game. And it was like, why would you want to leave? Why are you in a hurry to get to yeah. your car? To, I mean, you're here with 15 of your best buddies. Yeah. And we just beat, we just kicked yeah. somebody's butt. Let's celebrate for a we while. We all have teams. Like, you know, even as sports writers, you know, you do that in our, 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 Locker room is the bar usually. Yeah, <laughs> you, know, right. you go out after covering a game, you go yeah. to the bar forever. Um, but I mean, but that I mean, same thing. Like anybody that has, you know, you all have that camaraderie. Well, yeah, yeah, I mean, and you know, we have it with our TV crew, where you're you're hanging out with your analysts and the producer, director, yeah. and a lot of times it's the night before where let's go get dinner. Let's go yeah. have a couple of drinks together. And we all have different jobs. We all have our own directions that we're going, but yet we're all kind of pulling the same way. Yeah. So let's, you know, you got to have some fun with it. Yeah. Um, let's go to Twitter questions. Uh, one of our first ones, and I'm trying to find it, um, it was, uh, I think it was Dumba Bomb. Kath asked, uh, Rocky, what's your thoughts? Um, let's talk about that. Did you see that town hall yeah, yesterday? Did. What I, a gong I, show. Yeah. Um, Two legitimate questions from Mark Lazarus and Phil Thompson. Mark at the Athletic Phil from the Chicago Tribune, um, and man, and Danny Wirtz tried to son, save him. Tried to save his yeah. dad, and he, his dad made his son look like, uh, like just like a, you know, just like a humiliated token, him. Yeah, humiliated him, and then yeah. buried himself. Yeah, with and, a ridiculous um, statement. You know, just tone deaf. And the, the point of this town hall was to bring. Blackhawks fans in there to make them realize that we're going to be transparent now and move forward and make this organization better than it's been after completely this debacle Kyle Beach thing. And all I'm doing is watching Rocky Wirtz lose his mind there and thinking, well, now I know how 12 years ago they screwed this up in the first place. Right. You know, and just, you know, we talked about this with the whole Edmonton situation. It's so easy to make that you know what? We have taken every step possible to make sure that this will never happen again. And 
I couldn't. I don't have enough time here to go through all the layers of it. That, but we are. That will never happen in the Blackhawks organization again. If you say that, what's the follow-up question? Yeah. There isn't one. It's over, and you're moving on to the. But when you answer it the way he did, well, of course now they have to follow up to it. And I know the Blackhawks had to backpedal the next day with a public statement and everything. But it, like, it is bizarre to me that in today's day and age, a guy can be that that oblivious to what's happening around him and the need to handle this correctly. Somebody tweeted me and said, this was, you watched Succession, right? Yes. He goes, this was like an exact scene from the show Succession on HBO. And I rewatched the whole thing. I'm like, holy crap. It was like, you could see that exact scenario in Succession. I mean, he was basically Logan Roy. It was, it was unbelievable. Yeah. And you see so many of these owners that are like that. Stan Kroenke's the same way. These guys are just so out of touch. And what's crazy is Rocky Wirtz was, has forever been beloved in that city because of the way that he saved that franchise and put them on, you know, back on television when his dad, you know, essentially took him, didn't, wouldn't only put road games on TV. And, you know, I, I mean, uh, really, really sad, uh, sad situation. And I know that Rocky Wirtz did send uh, emails to both Phil and, and Mark Lazarus afterwards. So he puts out the public statement and I guess he apologized in emails as well. Um, but obviously they got a lot of they got a lot of goodwill to make up with their fan base there because uh, not only do they suck on the ice, but man, do they suck off the ice. Let's go to Twitter questions. Um, Ian Burns asked, should the wild play cam and capital a 50, 50 split with 40 games and 70 days down the 77 days down the stretch um, when they're healthy. I mean, I think that we're going to see uh, pretty much a split between these guys as long as they're playing well. I mean, you know, I look, uh, I, I was surprised after cam played so well in New York that, that Capo played on Long Island. And then I figured because Capo won two games against the Blackhawks that he played in Chicago, there's Cam. I know? think you'll still see a two-to-one split yep. down the stretch. There's 41 games left for Minnesota. I would guess you see something like a 26-15, 27-14 kind of split and where Cam will get two, Capo gets one. You know, but, but I also think it wouldn't be out of the – out of the question to see Koppel get a couple in a row here and there. I just, I think they still feel like going into the playoffs, Cam's the guy. Right. So they play, I mean, there's only two teams in the league who have played fewer games in the wild. The Islanders and Ottawa are the only two. So from whatever, how, whatever the days, however you want to break them down, but the league starts on Monday and from there to the finish, there's only two teams that have more games in the wild. So, and if you look at the Western contenders, most of them are three, four, five games fewer than Minnesota over that stretch, which might sound like it's not much. It's huge. I mean, you take an extra five games over the period from February 7th to the end of April, so you're basically talking two and a half months. That's every other week you've got an extra game that somebody else gets a night off. Right. And that is, that's wear and tear. So no doubt. I think with that, Capo's got to play, and he's, he's played well enough to earn it. No doubt about that. Jordan Durand, uh, friend of the show, two questions. Do you think Kaprizov breaks the 100-point mark this year? I do which is so unwild-like. Um, and the other question is, do you think if Boldy stays at a point-of-game pace or better that he will enter the Calder Trophy talk this year? Um, what do you think? I mean, that's perhaps, I still think, to, uh, I mean, Zegers is going to be the front-runner just, you know, even though he doesn't have a ton of points, I think 30-something, you know, with the two incredible plays, the lacrosse goal and the play that he made to Sonny Milano, I think he's going to be in the voting, in the minds of voters. There's, I yeah. mean, you know who's playing unbelievable hockey right now? I think he's like a plus 30 is Anton Lindell. 
awesome player. And then even Kakinen, I mean, guys, tied in one and two, he's technically a rookie still. I think that if, let's say Boldy does stay a point a game guy, so you end up with 50 points in 50 games. It's hard Roughly, not to. it's hard not to. It's hard not to, but, I, you know, that, there's a long way to go for that. The Kaprizov question, I think, is a tougher one. I mean, he's been great. He's only on, he's on pace for 106. Right. It isn't like he's on pace for 140. I mean, right. so as good as he's been, he's ha- he'd have to basically match this in the second half. Number he had one. one goal yesterday. He was so good yesterday. It yeah, was unbelievable. He was, he was, I, it was one of his best games, I thought, this season. Yeah, and, and earlier on the road trip, I didn't think that was the case. No. And yet it was, as we've talked before, and I talked with Louie that night, He's just one of those guys that he doesn't have to be great all night, and yet he can still end up with two or three points on the score sheet at the end of the night. And Louie had a great story because he he told the story that he went to scout Bobby Smith. And when he was there, somebody had told him ahead of time, hey, keep your eye on this other kid. He said he's not – like he won't be the fastest guy, the best guy, and but when the night's over, you'll look and you'll be like, I'll be damned. He had two points again or three points again. The other guy was Wayne Gretzky. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Um, yeah, yeah I, I don't know. I thought he was great. Yeah, so when he dipsy-doodled around Patrick Kane in the first period, you just knew he was there to play. Um, Joseph asks, um, why do I feel Boldy living with Greener is actually going to turn into a sitcom? And th- does the apartment contain more pizza boxes or Chipotle wrappers? That's a good line. It's so true. Well, I mean, I think it's... I think it's a sign of Greenway's maturation, too, that he's now the guy taking a young guy under his wing. And, but he, uh, he just seems like he's, I've loved his presence lately. He just seems like he is. He's a beauty too. Yeah. He's, I mean, he's a fun guy to talk to. Uh, I've got a couple of Greenway stories that are hilarious, but, um, Matt Laval, who I think, you know, um, um, I know a lot of people are saying the wild are one center away, but does it even, but is there a concern about locker room? you know, uh, chemistry, foul-ups, like the Marty Hansel situation. What's your opinion on that? Well, there obviously is, but at the same time, I think I think Billy is confident enough in what he's got going right now that it's hard to imagine any one guy... Very different locker ...disrupting. Room. Very different. It's so much better than it was then. Yeah. And then it was good, Yeah, but it was... This is unbelievable. And so to throw a guy in there, and it, some of the guys we've talked about as potential centers that you might target, they're not going to come in here and be the guy who stands up in the middle of the room and changes anything. Right. I, and, and I don't think the leaders of this team would allow that to happen. No. So, and, I, I mean, yes, you have to be concerned yeah. about it, but I don't and, think... And the other thing about that situation is Marty came in and he, you know, if you remember when Marty came in, Eric Hollow was playing his best hockey as a Minnesota yeah. Wild. He was the mainstay on the third line. Um, I can't remember who the right wing was, but all of a sudden... You know, he comes back from the bye week and finds out I'm the fourth line center. And whoever that other guy was, I think was that wound up being a healthy scratch for Ryan White. And I think that's where it wasn't so much that the guys came in and fouled up the like locker room camaraderie. Right. It's more the fact that they took a guy that was playing great and put him right onto the fourth line. And that's what really screwed things yeah, up. He for was playing, absolute- if I remember right, he was playing with Pominville and Niederreiter, I think, yeah. on the third line. And they were being used in a defensive role quite often, but they were providing offense. Okay. And then Halla all of a sudden got bumped down to the fourth line. And now that third line got exponentially slower. And I remember 
talking a lot about it where they're like, I think, the, I think you're miss. I think you, I think that what you're thinking of is when John Torchetti took over for yo, and then he put together the hollow Nita writer in Palmaville line. If I remember correctly. No, I think, well, I mean, they had been together before that okay. though, too. And, but I think there's, I think they're, I think those were the three guys okay. that were playing together and Hollow got bumped down. But Hollow was a guy who moved. Right. And he was a part of a line that had been really good defensively. And then all of a sudden he winds up yeah. on the fourth line. And also, if you know Eric Hollow, he wasn't going to take it well. Well, he wasn't going to take it well, but but the players all knew it too. Because yeah. they were like, well, now all of a sudden we got a, we just got slower on a line that we were using to play against the other yeah. team's best. And, you know, it was all, it was such a bad everything about it just wasn't right. It yeah. didn't make sense for the deal to be made for the guy that they got for where he was going to fit in the lineup. And, you know, I, I just, so I think and by with, the way, Bill Guerin has done a history lesson. He knows about that Marty Hansel situation and what it does to this team. Well, of course. You know, I mean, and, and he's, and, he's looked at, I mean, I've talked to him about what they were doing in Pittsburgh and he was like, we traded away every asset we had every year to keep trying to make runs. He knows exactly what it's like when you bring guys into a room. Now, the difference is when they were bringing in guys, they were usually role players that were designed to play on the lower lines in Pittsburgh all those years. If you look at some of their trade deadline deals, this would be different where you'd be trying to find a guy to fit in a scoring role. And... You know, there is something about having a guy like Gaudreau playing with those two guys just because, you know, they're going to take a few chances offensively, and he's, yeah. been, he's been good to cover Goudreau up. Gaudreau's been great lately. Uh, Bryce uh, asked, um, listen to a few too many podcasts talking about potential moves for a top-line center or number one center. Went back to 2020, so got to ask, how much more will we keep talking about that scenario? It's true. If they ever trade for a number one center, we may just have to disband the podcast because then we got nothing to talk about. Um Dogfather, belly rub for pups, best Twitter name out there, says, uh, do you think if we don't keep Fiala, the Wild run the risk of having a Fiala 2.0 and Matt Boldy? Like, do you think Boldy would be on an island similar to how Fiala had to carry his line for offense? It's an interesting point. I mean, it depends, I guess. If they traded Fiala, I would assume that Beckman's the guy that'd be grooming to take that place. So could Beckman be... Could Beckman and Fiala have... Could Beckman and Boldy have that type of chemistry? I don't know. I mean... Um, it, it's an interesting thought. Um, yeah, hard to imagine somebody ready to assume yeah. what Fiala has done. Um, I, there were a few questions on there with people asking about watching the games on TNT, and you know, I appreciate the comments that people make yes. about how they prefer to watch it on Bally Sports. And I mean, look, I don't think any of these announcers. Everybody always says there's a bias, right? And I don't think it's necessarily a bias. I think it's a lack of knowledge. I think there is a situation where there are a lot of times you get. And in, you, know, you get some announcers, sometimes they're guys who are a part of another team's broadcast during the regular season. And so they see other teams more often and therefore they just, it becomes top of the head knowledge. You have more knowledge of the, you know, when Minnesota, I'm trying to think of the games that were national. I mean, they, it was a Boston game one night and, you know, you got guys who are in the Eastern Conference for their regular job. And so they've seen a lot more of those teams. And, you know, it, it's disappointing to me sometimes when you listen to it and you, and you think like, well, boy, I'd love to hear more about this. And, but they're, yeah, and they're doing a game for an audience that doesn't watch the wild every night. So they're telling stories that we've told six months ago 
two seasons ago, three years ago, whatever, they're telling them as if they're kind of newsworthy. So it's just always going to be different. Yep. I mean, it, it's it's a very different deal. Yep. Speaking of which, last, last topic um, uh, that we hadn't got into is that you and I spent time again into the Department of Player Safety uh, uh, shadowing uh, Damien Echeverria and George Peros last week. Um, you know, and we talked about this on, on Bally's the other day on our opening hit. I mean, and, and the reason why this came to me is somebody brought up yesterday with the um, when, uh, I think it was Connor Durr got hit by Debrinka, like, you know, that, and Chicago's not even in the East, so I don't even know what he was saying. He's like, you know, that Debrinka's not going to get, uh, I can't remember what he said, but he basically said there was an Eastern bias. And the one thing that you and I both know from spending time in there is that they couldn't care less who it is. Like they are, they are just, there is a commitment to trying to get it right. They have a, a, whether you believe them, believe in it or not, like I personally didn't like the Debrinket hit. I thought it was blindside, but they have a catalog of hits over the years that they compare and that they um, that they essentially analyze. And uh, look, you could agree or not, but they're not in there because there, there's no star bias, there's no team bias. They're trying to get it right and make the game safer. Do you agree? Absolutely agree. Those guys and the layers that they go through to watch, they don't miss a play. Yeah. There's never a play that is even close yeah. to being a suspendable play that they don't study. You've got a guy who's watching both broadcasts. He's tagging 20, 25, every penalty, every hit, and some clean hits that he knows are clean just so they can tag them so they might use them to say, here's an example of a good open ice hit, a good body check in the corner, whatever it might be. But anything that's even remotely close, he's tagging, passing it up the line to the next guy, and anything that's even close, he's passing on. I mean, nothing gets missed. They are determined to get it right. You might not always agree with what their decision is, but that's because no, it isn't a black and white thing. No play is just cut and dry. It's not like reviewing a football play where was his foot in bounds or not. And the replay can clearly show you this is you. There's so it's a fast game, yep. And there's so many moving parts. Where's the pot? All that stuff. I mean, they really work hard to get it right. And, George, yeah, and I think most of the yeah. time they do. George Paris, who is the obviously the one, the boss, the one man that runs the show. He's actually doing my podcast, my athletic podcast this week, so you can listen to him there. But he had a great line during while we were just sitting there shooting the breeze for two or three hours anthony when he said like, just think about it. the only black and white rule in the entire rule book is the puck over the glass and everybody wants it out so he's like everything in the game is subjective right. and it's and it's so true um the other great thing that happened is when at the end of the when we left that day damien basically apologized so sorry there's nothing exciting happened and george butted in he goes that's what way we like it not exciting so it was pretty good uh last just couple questions real quick he's cole goes um asked if boldy has a big second half could he still be a rookie next year um no if he plays more than 25 games matt anderson asks uh, when might the wild provide Durer with a permanent number the way that usually works is that if Durer makes the team at a camp next year he'll be offered if he'll be given the opportunity if he wants to take a different number than uh number 52 um kath asks well, will the wild be in the mix for any upcoming nhl all-star games my guess is no because there's a lot of buildings that still deserve ones and the wild had one in 04 um andreas is any chance of the wild signing uh jack McBain after a season bc season the wild will absolutely try they'd have to burn a year though and uh, last question anthony who would be your five top wild players that you'd like to have over for dinner and drinks past or present Ooh, past or present that's interesting well i've a few of them have been here like you know so I would, i'd have to say no to west walls because he's already been here for dinner 
Uh, Darby. You've had Darby. Darby's been here. Yeah, I would. But I still those. I love listening to those guys when they get together talk about their 03 runs. So those Mm -hmm. are those are always great. But I'll say I'll stick with the current guys. I think it'd be fun to have Marcus Foligno here. Because yeah. I, I think he'd be entertaining. We'll bring Jordan Greenway with him. I'd bring Erickson Eck, except he'd probably like piss people off, and somebody'd be angry at him for no reason. He'd yeah. give the blank Phil stare. Would him. Phil would attack him. And yeah, if we had Kaprizov, we'd have to have Zuccarello because we need a translator. Yeah. So I'll go with Kaprizov. Fel- understands more than he wants to let on. Right. So I'll go with. Uh, well, I'd go with Greenway Felino. We'll go with Spurgeon. We'll go with um, we'll go with Erickson Eck. Why not? Just to mix it up a little bit. And actually, Nick Bukestad's an awesome guy. Yeah, I wouldn't mind having guy. him come and join us too. Yeah, yeah, actually, a great guy. Well, this was a fun show, Anthony. Um, thanks to all our sponsors, and I hope if you guys uh, do want to come to Europe with us, go to defineddestinations.com. Definitely do that. Thanks to our sponsors, uh, Bosch Law Firm, Tria, Profile by Sanford, Minnesota Propane Association, Aquarius, Kowalski's, and Chris Lindahl Real Estate. Remember, next live show, February 17th, 7 p.m. at Tuttle. See you there, everybody. So much coming out, there's nothing going Our locker room is the bar usually.